Welcome back to Thimbleberry U. I am John Jagay, joined again by Amy Walls from Thimbleberry Financial. Great to be back with you. Jag, it's great to be here. So we're recording this episode on October 13th, uh, which is three weeks to the day away from the 2020 presidential election. So today we're going to discuss what people can do to prepare for the election financially. So what is it about this particular topic that made you want to talk about it today? Yeah, Jack, I'm glad you asked that question. There is so much intensity, I'm probably stating the obvious, in the conversation around politics in the election this year. Mm. You know, and many topics have become political that haven't previously been political. First of all, I want to say that just like in the last podcast we recorded around Trump's tax returns, my desire is to keep this conversation neutral and fact-based, not political. Mm-hmm. What I really want to get at here is that we need to acknowledge that as a country, we are very divided politically. Absolutely. And that division can create emotion. One of those emotions can be fear. Mm -hmm. And we also get to couple that emotion related to the election with COVID-19. And what that results in potentially are bigger emotions. (laughs) So... That's why I want to talk about this today. I've had a few questions from clients that I think are really good to address publicly. I think we should talk about those. Right. I was reading an article this morning about uh, the art of having a productive meltdown with all the stress that everybody is under with the financial stress that so many Americans are under right now, the stress and, and worry about contracting coronavirus, the fear around the election if whichever side you're on of the other candidate winning and, and especially those who are juggling parenting and working and teaching and all these things it's so stressful and i would imagine that all the stress from a financial perspective leads to this question of panic and should i sell my investments for sure it does there's just this heightened emotion that causes us from being able to think logically And one of the questions we're going to talk about is definitely a version of, should I sell investments? But I would like to start somewhere a little simpler, if you don't mind. Sure. And I'm going to paraphrase a question I received. And that is, with things, you know, insert protests, riots, COVID politics (laughs) into (laughs) that, being so uncertain right now, should we be keeping part of our three to six month cash reserve on hand? If so, how much and in what form? Seems like a legitimate question. Yeah, I love this question because of all the things that are connected to it. Jag, you know I love puzzle pieces and Mm -hmm. just knowing how things connect. So when I look at this question, there's there's fear, there's emergency preparedness, you know, all things we need to deal with. So first, what I want to say is now is a really good time to be sure your family's cash reserve is solid as COVID continues into winter. Mm -hmm. You know, there's no guarantee that there aren't going to be more layoffs. Right. With the flu, who knows if we end up sheltering in place more than we are right now. And as of right now, there's no second relief package coming, at least as of our recording right now. Exactly. So uh, if you have the ability to shore up those cash reserves, I think now is a great time to do that um, outside of the election. So the other part of this question that I mentioned, it's also about emergency preparedness. You know, back east, people have hurricanes. Out here in Portland, we're expecting a major earthquake. Hmm. In the event of big emergencies like these, electricity is unlikely to work. So phones will be down. ATMs will be down. Cash is the currency that will mean something. Right. So regarding the election, let's hope that whatever the outcome, both sides respectfully honor that result. Mm -hmm. Part of my job, though, as a financial planner is to help clients be prepared for worst case scenarios. Uh, Given the protesting and riots of the last several months, we need to consider that 
there could be chaos or perceived chaos around the results or lack of results from this election. True. I've heard it's not going to be an election night. It might be an election week or an election month. Yep. And we've seen that before with presidential elections. So Mm -hmm. absolutely, it could be prolonged. So with that said, it doesn't hurt to have part of that cash reserve tucked away into the safe at home. That's important to have the cash on hand for all the reasons you just mentioned, Amy. But what about the stock market if there is that kind of chaos that could very well happen? Yeah, chaos is a good word. Markets don't like chaos. They like predictability. Mm -hmm. What I will say is in this election, it may not matter if there is chaos or predictability. It's the perception of it and the emotions that come from us being divided as a as a people Mm -hmm. and the thought process that the world will end. You know, I'm exaggerating there a little bit, but you get the idea with world will end if my choice for president doesn't win. Right. As an advisor, I avoid market predictions and I won't make one now. I will say, though, that it is reasonable to be prepared for a downturn following the election, no matter the result, as investors' emotions play out and any real uncertainty is sorted. Okay, yeah, that is a very good point because markets don't like volatility or chaos, whether it's real or perceived, because as the cliche goes, perception is reality. Yes. What steps do you recommend to somebody who is worried about the stock market? We're three weeks out, but be proactive. Mm -hmm. Do what you can while the market is good. Have a plan. Know your plan. As we talked about as part of that plan, have an adequate cash reserve. Also look to see if you need to rebalance your portfolio. Yeah, that's something we've talked about in previous episodes. Mm-hmm. Another thing we've talked about in previous episodes that I think is really important to remind people of is that downturns are normal and historically stocks recover. Mm-hmm. Over the last 35 years, stocks have averaged calendar year declines of over 14%. We've already been over that this year. And 80% of the time, they still end the year positive. So the takeaway there is that volatility is a norm. Mm -hmm. So the other thing we need to know is that timing the market doesn't work. Right. So if we really knew how to do it, I say this all the time, we'd all be on a beach in Fiji or on our favorite ski slope. Yeah, for me, it'd be the beach, not the ski slope. I'm not coordinated enough. (laughs) So the reason market timing doesn't work, this is the part that people miss, is that you have to get lucky twice. Mm-hmm. You have to get lucky on the time you got out, and you have to get lucky on the time you get back in. So when we talk about getting back in, that's one of the the hangups for people, right? They often get out when the market's low, mm-hmm. and then the market's gone high before they, they're willing to get back in. What people also don't necessarily realize is that you can lose by being out of the market on the wrong days. Yes, So if you invested $10,000 on January 1 of 1980, by January 1 of 2019, that $10,000 would be worth approximately $650,000. Wow. If you miss the best 30 days in the market over that 40-year period, your money would only be worth approximately $125,000. $125,000 as opposed to $650,000. Wow. Yes. If you miss the 10 best days in the market over that 40-year period, your $10,000 would be worth only $300,000. Again, compared to the six fifty, dollars if you stayed in the whole time. Wow, okay. So missing 10 days in the market in 40 years could cause you to have less than half the value of if you just stayed invested. So the other thing people should remember if they're worried about the market is something we've talked about in earlier episodes, and that is to know what you control and what you influence. Right. Focusing on 
what you control and influence is so much more valuable than focusing on what is outside of your control. What is that cliche about like, uh, give me the wisdom to only worry about the things I can control, but but also the wisdom the, to know the difference or yeah, I, I'm butchering it, but you know what the, the cliche <laughs> I'm talking about. Yep, absolutely. We'll have to look at that for the next time. Um, I can't come up with it off the top of my head either. So I think one way to think about the controlling influence is to stop watching the market and the market attainment shows. Yes. And to get off social media. Easier said than done, but so true. I know. I know. I get sucked in myself, but there are times I just have to say enough is enough. So, you know, with the shows, they have one purpose and that's to grab your attention so that you tune in. And as a result, they get more advertising money. Sure. They don't know you either. Therefore, they can't provide perspective. Okay. I think the other thing to focus on when we look at control and influence is to prepare for the opportunity if the market does drop. If you've got extra cash on the sidelines, consider investing it if we do get a downturn after the election. If you have Roth conversions you've been considering, the market's down, it's a great time to get some free money uh, moved over from IRAs to Roth IRAs. Yeah, absolutely. And I know we have whole other episodes on that, so I won't go into a lot of detail here, but basically... If you had $100,000 that you were going to convert and now it's worth 70000 when you convert at 70000 versus $100,000, you just saved $30,000 in taxable income. Right. But the account's still worth the same amount that it was before the decline. So once that account recovers, it's back to where you were and you paid taxes on the lower amount. Absolutely. And then I think especially for our tech clients who have incentive stock options, when the market's down, it's a great time to consider exercising those stock options to potentially avoid alternative minimum tax. Again, we have a lot of episodes on that, so I don't want to spend a lot of time going into it. But my point is there's a silver lining Mm -hmm. to downturns. There are things that can be done. You just have to figure out what the right things to do for you are in the downturn. And I think it's important to mention with in context of all this, Amy, yes, it's worth investing that money if you can. But going back to our first point, only do it if you have enough of a cash reserve for emergencies. We're not saying take your cash reserve and spend it investing it. We're saying if you have extra cash in addition to what you need for an emergencies, this could be an opportunity for you, right? Absolutely. Make sure you've got your foundation solid before you start doing these other things. All right. And if we zoom out a little bit, in a previous episode, we talked about bias. How much does that bias play into being prepared for what might be to come in the next several months? Oh, Jag, that's such a great question. Uh, my experience is that recognizing our own biases is one of the best ways to step away from the emotion and take a look at the big picture. And when you can do that, think you put yourself in a better place to make smart decisions. Also getting an outside perspective from somebody who is in this every day and can look at the numbers objectively, like Amy, and we'll give your contact information in just a moment. But before we get to that, any final thoughts? Yeah, I think just what we talked about recently, and that is remembering what your plan is and knowing what you control and influence in that plan. It's that control and influence. Know what your plan is and know what you control and influence in that plan. Um, that's the first way to be prepared. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if you aren't certain about your plan, get a second opinion. Sure. Also, if you're worried, talk to your advisor. They know your situation. Listen to them knowing your situation more than those marketainment shows and what you're reading from Sally and Joe on Facebook. Right. And in terms of those marketainment shows, they are broadcasts and by definition, a broad audience. And they're not going to know your specific situation as opposed to a personal financial advisor like Amy. Amy, if somebody wants to talk to you about their planning for 
the rest of 2020 and beyond, what are the best ways to find you? They can reach us on our website at thimbleberryfinancial.com or give us a call at 503-610-6510. And get out and vote. Good stuff as always, Amy. We'll talk again soon. Sounds great, Jag. Thanks. Registered representative securities offered through Cambridge Investment Research, Inc., a broker-dealer, member FINRA, SIPC. Investment advisor representative, Cambridge Investment Research Advisors, Inc., a registered investment advisor. Cambridge and Thimbleberry Financial are not affiliated.